Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Devil May Cry, which is a game that was developed by Capcom, published by Capcom, and released in 2001, originally on the PlayStation 2, but with this long list of other ports. Android, iOS, Windows, Mobile, Windows, Mobile. Yes. Okay. Switch, PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5, Shield, Android TV, Xbox 360, <laughs> Xbox One, and the Xbox Series X slash S. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yep. Uh, I think it might be the only game that's available on Android TV. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I'd never heard of that before. Uh, but first, if you could give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. If you're watching on uh, Android TV. <laughs> give us two likes. Yeah. Uh, for mentioning your obscure platform. Because if you're watching us on Android TV, then you probably invented it. <laughs> uh Devil May Cry is a, depending on who you ask, uh, a hack and slash game, a character action game, uh, an action game, that game that was going to be a Resident Evil game but then got turned into Devil May Cry. Yeah, character action game is the it's the term that I've heard. Yeah, I never, I feel like I've heard it in context before, specifically in, in reference to games like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the only context. Like, I don't know what it really means. Well, I think specifically, like, Devil May Cry kind of formed its own genre mm-hmm. of action game. Like, the it was, like, the first at least notable 3D action game it, that's not, like, an action RPG. Uh, I think that's the distinction, really, um, is between it's about... It's got the kind of combo system. It's about... Uh, it's a focus on your character and the skills that the character has and kind of like you mastering them yeah. rather than something like an RPG or an action RPG where it's you, you have stats that you level up and that impacts the gameplay. Yeah, and I, it's my not understanding is not a uh, refutation of the genre. I think that it is a good distinction to make because there is a very distinct lineage of games like this and while i used to and still do on most occasions refer to games like this as hack and slash games it's important not to get it confused with something like a like a dungeon crawling hack and slash like an yeah. arcade game or like a like a dynasty warriors kind of thing right or a beat em up for that matter yeah. all of these are like tangentially related concepts but this does sit in its own sort of like genre of its own so mm. uh that's the genre talk uh what that means for the game itself um is that this game started its life, as I mentioned uh, in the introduction, as a version of Resident Evil, presumably would have been called Resident Evil 4 prior to the the inception of what that game actually was, uh, <coughs> uh, a.k.a. a masterpiece. Uh-huh. Uh, and <laughs> but they made it so action-heavy that they decided they couldn't really do it as a resident evil game it felt so far away from what the 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 series was about that it didn't feel right to make it a a a true sequel 
Um, and what's interesting to me about that is the, is the number of like horror elements that still end up in this game, even though a lot of it feels like comically not out of place because it has a, a very specific like aesthetic that I love. But you as Dante just tear through these things that are supposed to be frightening, and it is it is just devastating to their <laughs> to their to their image. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to, like, it, it's spooky to the player, but not to Dante. I mm-hmm. actually think that adds, like, an interesting kind of, uh, like, tone to it. Um, it, it. It makes Dante seem all the more, like, cocky and cool as he's supposed to seem. Yeah, it, it gives him more character than the game would otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and I do agree with that. I, I think that is a, it ends up being a good thing. And a lot of the stuff that was in the first Devil May Cry doesn't have the irony that is kind of in it in the later entries in the games, where they took themselves a lot less seriously. And this game doesn't take itself particularly seriously to begin with. Uh, and so it it feels more genuine. It feels yeah. like a real B-movie kind of thing yeah. that I like. It's also got that kind of like budget cutscene sort of um, thing going on, where like older games couldn't have as many cutscenes as you can do now or you Mm -hmm. could you know like the generation after this so it's got a lot less like if you had more in this game they would have more opportunities to play up dante's like cockiness and all that stuff like they do in the sequels so yeah it's kind of like how um like with star wars like they did the lightsaber effect less uh, because it was a pain in the ass to do back then but it, it it now watching them it makes it feel like more like restrained and ends up making it better in retrospect. Yeah, there's like a gravity to it. Yeah, so it kind of has that sort of thing going on where it feels restrained, even though it's probably just a budget thing. Sure, and it, it feels it, it's such a good thing because to to date my favorite Devil May Cry game, and I will acknowledge offhand that I haven't played DMC five. Uh, which came out, I think, just two years ago or something. Recently, and I've heard it's good. Yeah, I've also heard that it is a good game, uh, and so I won't say that it wouldn't that I wouldn't think it is better. Uh, but my favorite one is DMC, which already is going to get people to click off the video. I'm mm-hmm. sorry for uh, ruining our our chances at being famous. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of it is mechanical, but. You can see that when they had the budget to do more stuff with the characters and make more cutscenes, they ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Because everyone hates young Dante, as they should, because he's awful. Uh, And a lot of the things about that game, aesthetically, are a huge mess in comparison to DMC1, which feels really clean in comparison. Yeah. I guess, to go back to the... um comparison to resident evil because it started out as a resident evil game um one of the other things that survived is kind of like that lock and key style like not puzzle but i'm gonna call it a puzzle yeah uh, where you had to like get some kind of ancient artifact and take it to the specific pedestal and put it in yeah uh, which is a weird thing i think that's the place it feels the most obvious that this used to be resident evil 
For sure. And, like, if you call the things that are in Resident Evil 4 puzzles, mm-hmm. then you could call these puzzles as well. Like, yeah. With the exception of things, like, where you turn the stained glass to make an image, right. like, that got cut out in this game. The, the puzzles, so to speak, are just your, like... Uh, mission objective key items. Yeah, for the longest time, I kept, like, uh, getting to something like that and being, like, mentally preparing myself for, like, an old-school, like, obtuse puzzle (laughs) that would be hard to figure out. And it's always just, oh, I just had to take it to this spot. Yeah. So I was always, yeah, like, it took me a really long time to, like, break that expectation that there was going to be, like, a real puzzle. Because, like, especially, like, the later in the game, the part, the mission where you fight Nero Angelo the last time, mm-hmm. it has the part where you have to, like, turn the mirror to reflect the light, and you think it's going to be more of a puzzle, and then that's all you have to do. Yeah. And it's just kind of funny. You just turn it 180 degrees, and yeah. that's it. It just, yeah, it really feels like if they hadn't already started uh, working on it as a Resident Evil thing, that those things definitely wouldn't be there. Yeah. And obviously, like, that's not what the game is about. Yeah. But it undermines it constantly, and it's really funny to me. Because it'll be like, Mission 12, get this item, put it here. And then, like, if you go to the here and you look, it gives you, like, a cryptic clue. And then when you get the item, it, like, fills in the gap in the clue so you could put two and two together. But because there's only one place you could reasonably even go, and because the mission description already told you what you were doing, none of that text means anything. Yeah. It's just flavor. And it takes, like, two minutes to just, like, <laughs> run the thing from one point to the other. Yeah. So it's it's amusing. It's like they... The whole structure of this game is baffling from, like, a modern game design perspective, though I can kind of see how it arrived there. The The game takes place in this castle, and the castle is, like, a big contiguous environment. Like, you mm-hmm. could just walk around it, uh, assuming there are no big glowy hands to block your way. Sure. And because of that... The game is then broken further down into chapters, which take place in specific parts of it. And what chapter you're in sometimes dictates what enemies are going to be there, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, And it just, it feels like these weird interstitial chapter headings don't really add anything except, like, a save point to the game. Yeah, it definitely feels like it sits at, like, a crossroads of, like, technology and game design and and all that. Because you can clearly see, like, as you were uh, just alluding to, that they were thinking about things on that level of, like, oh, the castle is one complete space. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's even, like, I think the last mission is you have to, like, escape it. So you're, like, running through the whole thing. Um, but it's also like kind of it does take inspiration from like beat 'em ups and arcade games and stuff, which were broken down into levels. So mm-hmm. it's like um, they that's I think it's how they arrived at the mission structure. Like they wanted to have the levels and give you the score at the end, and so they break it down that way. And yeah, yeah, as you said, like at the top, like it is really weird um, from a modern perspective because they're like outside of platinum games. Yeah. I can't think, I'm sure there are others, but I can't think of any off the top of my head that use a structure like this. Yeah, I mean, DMC alikes are the 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 genre of game that is going to do this. It's funny because it, it did become, like, 
even up to the latest game in DMC5, there are missions. Like, it still breaks it down like that, but the difference is in Devil May Cry 1, it is a whole thing, and then it's just whenever you complete a puzzle or get to an area... You beat a boss. Or beat a boss, it ends, the it fades to black, tells you you completed a mission, gives you your little payout, and then moves on to the next thing. And, like, in future games, in the Devil May Cry series, and also games like Bayonetta, the levels are more... They're more different. Like, yeah. you'll complete an area, and then the mission will end, and then you'll move to a new area, and it, maybe it'll play a cutscene to show the interstitial time, but it isn't just broken up gameplay for the most part. Obviously, there are going to be exceptions. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it this way, but, like, you describing it kind of makes me, like, notice, like, a difference here. It's, like, I think you're right. There's, um, and I think, once again, this is budgetary-related, um, they make a lot of reuse of the castle, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of, I think, compounds with the mission structure to make the game feel like it's reusing content more um, than it already is. Because, like, yeah, you something like Bayonetta, like, you don't really go back through areas. There's a couple of instances, I think. Yeah, we but... actually talked about that on the episode where they do go back, and it's because Bayonetta was like platinum's breakout hit it was also a budgetary thing yeah. but it happens way less oh yeah because yeah and it's just, it's like more linear like you're just going from a place to a place to a place to a place to a place right whereas uh yeah devil may cry is all in the one castle and like it, it's weird because on the one hand like i love that sort of thing like it's a classic one location like on an island like kind that's like a classic setup for older games like you just mm-hmm. focus on the one location um, and you make it all like densely packed and everything, but yeah, it does pair weirdly with the mission setup. Do you want to talk about the castle as like a a setting? Because I kind of really love it in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, because I do too. Um, castles are cool uh, i think uh yeah full stop accurate yeah. um yeah like they i feel like we all have this kind of desire to or at least i know i do maybe not everybody does but i think it's a common thing to want to like explore ruins like the idea of like happening upon a ruined castle and walking around it is like a really cool idea so they make good settings for video games um and i, I think it's especially interesting thinking about how it we started as a Resident Evil game. So I'm trying to think, like, has there been a Resident Evil game that's just set in a castle? Like, I know 4 has a castle. Right. But I think the idea of basically doing, like, a Resident Evil 1, but instead of a mansion, it's a castle, would be cool. Which it seems like this that's what this would have been, yeah. uh, based on Devil May Cry. But yeah, I, I think it works super well. And it, it, it um, I think it's just big enough and gives you just enough of like a variety of kinds of locations you can have that it just lends itself to games really well. Like we talked about this on the Castlevania episode Mm -hmm. where it was really impressive how many different kinds of areas they managed to squeeze out of the setting of a castle. Right. And while Devil May Cry is more visually consistent than, than Castlevania symphony of the night specifically Mm -hmm. um, is, it is like, still has a bunch of wild shit in it. And it's like, 
the whole because technically speaking the setting is malay island but malay island in itself is essentially just a rocky rock island Mm -hmm. (laughs) with a big castle on it that's like the whole existence of it right um and it's interesting because like you go from place to place and there's like a cathedral which they've really decked out and made look really opulent and there's the room with a biplane in it which is kind of insane uh and then all of the little more resident evilly things like the contraptions and traps and stuff that all exist just sort of like irrespective of of the castle setting itself but all feel really in place because of the sort of aesthetic uh similarity between them it's just a really visually cool place to be even though the game is like pretty dark yeah it still feels very lively yeah no it it makes sense because like it's a it's a castle right and they don't have have electricity in it so like it it just like it it feels like it just works and it also has that kind of i think i mentioned this on the bayonetta episode but like there's this kind of grainy gritty style of textures that they used to use uh that capcom did on the resident evil games i have carried over here mm-hmm. and it works really well um you also see this in like uh, like eco and shadow of the colossus that kind of like stone te- like gritty stone texture just looked really good on the ps2 yeah uh, when when applied like this so like it just yeah it works with the stone castle <laughs> very well <laughs> Yeah, I just, I love the setting, and I like the parts where you go outside mm-hmm. uh, briefly, and I love the things that are just, like, I don't know how to describe this, like, weird, <laughs> I think JJ would be the one who had, like, a word for this Yeah, that I just don't don't know, or maybe he'll, he would make one up. But JJ, like, if you're listening, drop it in the comments section. Yeah. <laughs> But like, or on the Discord. When you're going through a, a, a space that just, it feels like a real space, and then suddenly there's a rotating floor with spikes that shoot out of it. <laughs> like, it feels natural, and I didn't, in the moment, go, now why the fuck would this be here? Mm-hmm. Because I'm playing a video game, and that mission structure kind of helps with that, because it, it never lets you settle in to Haunted Castle. You're always in an action game when you're playing this game. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think it's a good thing, but it does it does make you, like, double-take a lot of the really video game stuff in it, and it amuses me a lot. This is, like, D&D cross, like, weirdo castle ruins. Sure, yeah. It, it feels more like a real place and less like a Zelda dungeon or something, which mm-hmm. feels like... Like, a Zelda dungeon is the exact opposite end, where if you stop and think about it, you're like, this just feels like a video game area, and not like it was a real temple that ever existed for anything. Yeah. And this is on the other side of the spectrum, where it does feel like a real castle a lot of the time, and then you'll come across a video gamey thing yeah. inside of it. Uh, but yeah, super good. I liked I liked all that stuff. And the otherworldly uh areas as well are are nice though a lot of them are sort of like similar architecture but with a red paint on it sure yeah i think they do a good job with it i think it it works well because there's like a a nice progression um i think that's always key uh with this sort of stuff because like you start out with the castle and then you go 
outside the castle like you escape it or whatever mm-hmm. um and then you go through like the woods and then you end up like in a boat and underwater <laughs> and then you come back and you did, I somehow did forget that yeah. you got on a ghost ship, yeah, and you, it goes over a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, and then you end up coming back to the castle, and then you end up going to the underworld. And like, I just think it, it's it's paced out well, and it gets weirder as it goes. Um, it gets more fantastical. Yeah, like the leap from like ghost ship to underworld isn't very far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that they have like the, um, the boss nightmare who looks straight up like an HR Geiger. Oh, design. Yeah. Uh, they introduce this gun that's like that looks like an its head. You yeah, know, it looks the, like a, a xenomorph head. The nightmare alpha or whatever. It's yeah, nightmare and it's beta. Like, they introduce that gun. I think right before that boss, or maybe just right after it. Like I don't know. There's like a good. You can pick it up right before or after. Yeah. Actually, so like yeah. I feel like it's a nice primer. Like I don't know. It's it is well paced out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think I think I like the the move here. Because we're gonna go stuff I like, stuff I don't like, stuff I like, and we'll we'll kind of uh, jump what back and forth. What a death to ebb and flow. Yes, uh, it's like a Pixies album. Um. <laughs> That's our tagline. Yeah. No no clip podcast like a Pixies. It's album. It's like a Pixies album uh, because it's funny that you mention Nightmare uh, because Nightmare's a boss in this game, and he's this like I think he's described in lore as being. Like a he's like a Mundus created underworld weapon. It's like a living weapon. He's like a t- he's weird, like a tank. Yeah, like a, I was gonna say a weird like uh, eldritch space tank. Mm-hmm. And that's not, but that's not what Nightmare should be. Because if you're playing Devil May Cry and you have a boss called Nightmare, it should be uh, the it should be a camera. It should be a thing that you're supposed to use to view action in a in a convenient way, because that is the true nightmare of, of Devil May Cry is trying to do anything uh, while the camera just decides what direction it's going to point at any given time. Mm. Uh, so my first question uh, for the developers of for fucking Shinji Mikami, that's not who made this. Uh-huh. Uh, my first question for Capcom and for you. Uh-huh. Is at what point as a representative of Capcom, of Capcom. America? <laughs> uh, at what point in human development d- did we go from being able to comprehend fixed camera angles and the fact that when it, the camera changes, your directional input doesn't change, so you keep moving in the direction you were going, and started doing what I do, which is frantically click the control stick in a hundred different directions trying to go the right way even though if i just held the button down i would just keep moving the right way uh i mean i don't know uh because i feel like fixed camera angles are a thing like if you would have given this game to me when i was like 14 Mm -hmm. i would have like fucking hated fixed camera (laughs) angles but somehow I've looped back around to, like, they don't really bother me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I, it didn't, I made the, like, adjustment pretty easily, and it didn't, re- wasn't really a thing. Um, obviously, it would be better um, with regular, <laughs> or regular, like, R- regular uh, third-person action game camera control, like, control with the right stick and everything, mm-hmm. but... Uh, obviously another holdover from Resident Evil. Um, 
But, yeah, I don't know. I just was adjusted to it pretty easily. I don't know. I, I don't have anything specifically against fixed camera. I think that it can work, and I think that in certain situations it, yeah. it is arguably better than yeah. a, a, a camera a operator-controlled camera. Yeah. I actually really, d- like, liked that this game trusted me enough to just be able to keep moving in the right direction instead of having tank controls. Oh, okay, yes. That's Personally, true. yeah. Like, I'm like, see? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to make an awkward movement system just because you have a fixed camera. Yeah. Uh, my problem, and, and this is, because this is, my question was not as sarcastic as it may have come off. Yeah. Because I think... That, <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed with that big setup that you had. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but there there really was a point that I moved from being able... Because I played this game basically when it came out, and I was pretty young at the time. And I remember playing other games with fixed cameras that did similar things, and then I also remember much more recently complaining about it on the No More Heroes episode... And the camera, when I'm going down the stairs, changing, and then him turning around and going back up the stairs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was a point in my life where I understood the fluidity of the movement in the fixed camera angle game. Mm-hmm. And now I do not. I will run, the camera will change, and then I will turn the control stick to go in the direction that I'm now facing. And it has leeway before it switches over. And I think what it wants you to do is, if you want to switch the direction you're holding, to recenter the stick and then press it in that direction again. Mm-hmm. And it will recenter it, like re whatever, recalibrate and have you go in that way. Mm-hmm. But I just never got it. And it, it really isn't a huge deal through most of the game. But then it's in boss fights, it is a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Pun so intended. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. To, to try and, like, move around and, like, avoid attacks from things that are off-fucking-screen and will move in... Like, every fight with Griffin, McElroy, uh-huh. is, a, is a catastrophe because he's just never on screen. Mm-hmm. And if you try and get close to him, then the camera cuts to, like, an opposite angle where he's also still not on screen, but now you are... But you're under, like, a you're behind a wall or something is horrible. It's so bad. And I hated every mm. second of, of boss fights because of the camera. <laughs> not your, uh, not night. What specter? The spider, the scorpion, the scorpion. Uh, I think that's phantom phantom. Uh, he is better. Most mm. of his fights. I think the camera is manageable. So I'll give it that. I uh. guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely don't begrudge you for not liking it, because, like, it, it really does feel like something I would hate, uh, but somehow didn't. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it maybe in your older age you're, like, more stubborn and just kind of want to keep doing what feels natural to you and not relearn an more old thing. Resistant to change. Yeah. yeah. Not so much resistant to change, but, like, resistant to, like, go backwards. Mm-hmm. That could be. And I should have thought of that before I played a game from fucking... <laughs> t- but I'm not a psychologist, so... 
fuck if I know. Yeah, I don't. I, the camera just bugs me now. And yeah, I mean, like, it's weird yeah. because I don't remember it being a problem yeah, no, when I was a kid. Totally reasonable thing to feel. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am definitely. If you're a longtime listener of the cast, have an old games literacy <laughs> that not everybody does. Where I can easily go back and play an N64 game that I've never played before right now and would have, like, no hiccups with it, so... Right. And the idea of plugging a Wii in fills me with, like, an unbearable <laughs> nausea, so... Yeah, so, you know, different strokes. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Different Folks podcast. <laughs> uh, do you want to sort of roll that into talking about the bosses themselves sure might as well yeah do you think it would be more appropriate to talk about general mechanics and then when we come back from the break talk about podcast i like podcast we'll we'll talk about the podcast (laughs) on the second we'll we'll review the podcast on the second half we are sort of like the bosses of the podcast uh but no i like how your brain works because that makes more sense so we can just talk about the general mechanics you like how my brain works on the second try? Yeah. <laughs> After I said the dumb thing first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so we described the game earlier as a character action game. And what that generally entails when you're talking about games like this is it is a 3D third-person game, uh, usually with melee combat. Uh, this mm. game obviously has a mix of both, where the focus is on performing combos and and like continuing strings i guess like the goal often is to just is to destroy an entire room of of enemies in one big fight like without going over here and hiding behind cover or doing whatever else going into the menu you just go in and you press the button so good that they all die in before you in a, a, a blaze of glory. Yeah. Um, so I think, especially with Devil May Cry, and because it was like a progenitor of this subgenre, mm-hmm. or just genre, depending on who you <laughs> ask, um, the like whole impetus for the idea was like growing up in arcades and there being the kid who was really good at it playing the game and kids would stand around and watch him or her and they would uh feel that pressure to like play more stylishly or like do a cool trick that like other people wouldn't do or to play riskier Mm -hmm. and that's baked into the mechanics of this where it's like it wants you to like show off like you have a taunt button and taunting enemies like builds up your special gauge like your devil trigger gauge uh so like playing cool or like playing risky or yeah like stringing a combo of like through a whole uh level i don't know if you can do that in this game probably not um but like stringing a combo as long as you can and you know like showing off yeah is part of the the uh intent like i guess yeah intended because it scores you on it Mm -hmm. uh way to play yeah and it's interesting because well, it's interesting for a lot of reasons, but one of the the primary things for me, anyway, is that they do this with so few buttons. Like your primary combat is essentially three buttons, uh, depending on the game on the console you're playing on: uh, triangle, R one, and 
Square. Square. That and that's pretty much all that you do. And then the roll button, the <laughs> circle. I think. Uh, I don't remember. I think it's X. Yeah, X yeah, in which direction. Yeah. You, you would just jump. Uh, but like th- then, even though that's a defensive option, like as far as like your actual stuff is, it all is based on timing of button press. Uh, your attack button, mm-hmm. uh, the modifier of R1, which is like a target lock-on, but also like makes you do different stuff. Yeah, it enables you to shoot the guns, and it also can like let you like kind of strafe mm-hmm. and roll in a, like a circle like that. And it gives you access to some of your like unlockable abilities, yeah. like the stinger, uh, for example, is one that you can only do when when you're holding down R1. So. It's really, it's not as complicated as I think the game would lead someone to believe from just watching it. And that's part of the, like, legacy of these games. Is, like, it's a game that makes everything look very cool without demanding you memorize, like, a fighting game combo tree. Uh, And that's what's really interesting about this this genre to me. Yeah, it almost kind of makes me think of something like Metroid, where it's kind of it's forming its own genre and doing a particular part of its design so well that it really cements itself as like the pinnacle of that genre. Because mm-hmm. yeah, like Devil May Cry, like coming back to it because I'd never played it. Um, I played we played Bayonetta for the cast, played some other action games here and there. Um, but like coming back to this, I felt like it the combat really held up in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. Like it all feels very. Because, yeah, like, early 3D games, this is a reason, like, this hadn't been tried yet, because it's so complex for the time. Um, and you can look at other things from the time that tried to do, like, action combat and didn't do it nearly as gracefully. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, everything, like, um, it's really tight, and it all, like, feeds into each other. And, yeah, it does it with relatively few buttons, which is, like, a very Nintendo kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is very, like... Um, well thought out like you can feel like the complexity comes from like your mastery of it and not that you just have like a bunch of different things you can do at any time right necessarily yeah even the the unlockable abilities which like this is a hallmark of the genre that is really expanded over time there really aren't that many of them yeah there's like five or something per uh uh like weapon and then in addition to that there's like two i think exactly two each that have like additional levels to them that you mm-hmm. can buy uh to make them better and that's it and and they're the button combinations are not really hard for them most of them are just like forward triangle yeah <laughs> yeah and i i know this is a thing that i think we all complained about on the bayonetta episode is that there's a million combos yep uh it's it, it, I feel vindicated here because, like, the only thing you ever really need to do in this is, like, triangle, 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 triangle. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's, like, your sword combo thing. And the complexity you know, comes between switching back and forth between the guns and the sword or the fists or whatever weapons you want to use. Yeah. And I, I just think that it's... Like, you you would think it would happen the other way around. Like, you see this with mechanics a lot, where they're more complicated, and then people realize we've hit, like, a saturation point of that, and they're like, well, we need to, like, design by subtraction, or, like, simple th- simplify things, take out the uh, unnecessary bloat, 
and you end up with like a more refined version of the thing you had. But this, I think, started out in like a perfect, almost perfect spot. Yeah. Of complexity. Yeah, the combat system itself, for sure. Like, I think that there is a, there is merit to creating a game that requires a lot of time and input to master it. Uh, but how many fucking combos are in Bayonetta? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't 50? think it's just not right for most people. Yeah. I think it's like it's a niche genre, like, and that's a niche portion of the audience for sure. that genre. Like I think that sort of thing works well in fighting games when what you're playing against is another person. Mm-hmm. But like in a single player game, it just feels. Super, su- uh, superfluous. Super- yes, superfluous. Is that the right word? Excessive. Un- it's yeah. It's unnecessary. Excessive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little dictionary trip yeah, there. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> then that has been dictionary with Chad. Mm-hmm. I do agree, though. I, I I think that you were right, and I also didn't. I did not take the time for. I mean, just p- pause the podcast and go back and listen to the Bayonetta episode if you need more context for this, but I didn't jive with Vanetta for a lot of reasons. Um, and uh, therefore I did not put in the time to become good with the game, uh, more than I needed to, to finish it on its like baseline, normal difficulty. Um, and that isn't what Bayonetta is about. Bayonetta wants you to go for high scores and wants you to learn all the combos. It wants you to crank the difficulty up to super extra nightmare mode so that you can show off your ability. And the game is probably more enjoyable to people who can do that. Um, and I feel like Devil May Cry has a bit of that. It has yeah, a yeah. ranking system and time trials and a bunch of different difficulty levels. And it's... It is, it is a game like this, but the game play, the actual concept, is a lot simpler and a lot more easier to enjoy from somebody just jumping into it. Yeah, it's a lot more accessible to someone who just wants to play it one time. Yeah. Which is huge. I think that's, yeah. a great, that's why the, the series, that's why the genre took off, is because people went, I don't know what this is, bought it because it got like a fucking 8.75 in game form or whatever uh-huh. uh just a, just a fucking biographical story right now <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you bring it home and they go oh i can kind of have fun with this i jump around you can jump on the wall go get the blue the blue orb mm-hmm. you know you get you do stuff that is very video gamey in a way that is easy to control and pick up and understand and uh it's fun. It's a and it's a fun. It's a fun time. You swing your sword around, mm-hmm. shoot a shoot a gun. Yeah. Also, in in Bayonetta's defense, or to aid people who want to play Bayonetta, you can play it more like this. Like the way I played Bayonetta is like I just found like a combo or two I liked and only ever used those and never worried about doing more. <laughs> so like I think you can kind of do a self. Uh, imposed like easier uh kind of mechanic setup for yourself like you don't have to know all the combos yeah uh it just isn't really clear it's true and to to circle it back around sort of to devil may cry i do feel like i while i praise this for the last minute and a half of the conversation that we've been having, I do wish there was a, just a little bit more variety, I think, in what you could do. Not, like, complexity, just, like, variety. Just, mm-hmm. like, a little bit more uh, 
choice, I guess, in the way that you go about it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, like, when I play through this game, I use the sword for the whole game, and then I use the fist for bosses. And that's, like, it. I I, I use those, and then I usually switch between the shotgun and the pistols as the mm-hmm. only two guns that I use. And it gets real, like, samey. Like, mm-hmm. I understand I could switch more often and do try on occasion, but I feel like the game is almost designed more with the mobility of Alistair in mind for the overworld. Mm-hmm. I found myself playing that way early on, but then began, like, switching pretty regularly between everything. Mm-hmm. I actually never found the shotgun. Oh, no. Yeah, and I ended up, I've ended up loving the grenade launcher. Mm. That's fair. The, I mean, the grenade launcher is definitely good. Yeah. Uh, the Especially when I figured out, faster. yeah, I remember figuring out how to roll cancel, like, totally naturally, <laughs> which felt really good. Uh... But yeah, I I mostly used Alistair a lot. I liked the I found the uh, the devil trigger where you shoot lightning. Air raid, just the best move in the game, or yes. whatever it's called. It is yeah. called air raid. Air hike is the double jump. Yeah, and air raid is the lightning bolts. Yeah, so I did use that a whole lot. Yeah, that would be the the asterisk is ifrit on bosses mm. except air raid which i used on yeah, bosses yeah i yeah i used alistair on a lot of bosses as well mm-hmm. i used i used alistair on nightmare specifically mm-hmm. because the ball on the top of him yeah is hard to land on him yeah like so you, you just, just jump it over with it a lot so yeah. you just hit it with that lightning I shoot it with grenades and then shoot it with lightning <laughs> that's how I, I dealt with nightmare that is another problem that i had sort of with the combat is i guess not with the combat but more with like the the enemy placement and layouts of levels and i think a lot of this had to do with that camera issue i was talking about where I felt very frequently like I didn't even want to engage in melee combat and would rather shoot guns at people from afar mm. because they would be off screen. Right. And it's like I could get close and potentially just eat shit or I can stand right here and shoot grenades at them <laughs> and nothing bad will happen to me. Yeah. It felt like the the scales were tipped too far in the in in the 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 in favor of just shooting grenades. Yeah, that, I feel like that's like a normal mode thing. Sure. Like they they I think they scaled it down a little bit too much. Like I've heard people who are really good at this game talk about how it feels like the game was designed for the hardest difficulty, mm-hmm. and then all the other difficulties they actually lowered it rather than like the other way around. Like you would think a lot of other games do. Yeah. So it seems like that like an over. Uh, dumbing down or simplification yeah it just makes the safer options a little bit too good Mm -hmm. uh where the fun of the game is to push in yeah be be aggressive yeah be aggressive yeah there are only certain kinds of scenarios where i would do that like anything where like the camera angle set up so you're coming at yeah like something you just have to like blindly fire (laughs) Uh, cause you don't know if something's going to be coming at you. 
Yep. The uh, literally, I'm just replaying a scene in my head over and over again the whole time that we've been talking, and it is right after the or right before, I guess, the Coliseum bit, where you come out of this like bunker in the fucking woods, mm. and the camera's just pointed straight at you, and they're the marionette guys who throw the flaming discs yeah, at from you. off screen. They're just totally off screen, and like you have to come pretty far forward before the camera will change, mm-hmm. and they're all just in a little fucking corner. And so if you move a little bit to the right, the camera changes again. They're off screen again. Yeah. So I just shot grenades at them. And I had to go through that area twice because you yeah. go there and then you come back. And I shot grenades at them both times because it didn't feel necessary <laughs> to engage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that people have talked about how it is. it feels designed for, the, for Dante Must Die. Mode. Yeah. But... We also just said that the game is really great for somebody who wants to just pick it up and play yeah, through yeah. it once. So that would be, I would say, a flaw. It, yeah, <laughs> it it's... works well for new players, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it works play best for exactly yeah. for experience yeah. players or whatever. Yeah, no, it it isn't like the lower, like normal difficulty does feel like it's balanced a little weird. Um, yeah, because there were parts that felt way too easy and parts that felt pretty hard. So mm-hmm. it it is a mixed bag. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what you just said. Uh, it's probably the most uh, balanced on the on Dante Must Die. At least the impression that I get. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> uh, on those sultry horn notes, mm-hmm. uh, do you think we should talk about how those mechanics impacted the bosses and how those bosses impacted the story? After, After the, the break. break. I do think that. Hell yeah. I should, if we're going to keep doing it in tandem, I should stop framing it as a question. <laughs> <laughs> Dante must die. And we're like, Dante must take a break. Welcome back. Um, we're, I brought up the idea of talking about bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want to start the conversation. Because if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I have a tendency uh-huh. to not like boss design. I feel yes. like it is a difficult thing to do correctly. And most games don't live up to the challenge. Yeah. I usually, I don't think I fully agree with you on that, but I definitely sympathize, and there's some games where I totally agree mm-hmm. uh, that the boss fights feel like they're supposed to be this big thing and they're kind of lacking. But in this game, with the exception of Phantom, I actually liked all of the bosses, and I feel like you hated them all. Sure did. Um, not all. All is a, is a not, yeah. is too strong of a word. I feel like I especially liked Griffin. Okay, you're going to need to do some explaining on that one. I think it's one of those things. Um, I know on the Dark Souls episode, we had this whole spiel where how like uh, the four kings were super hard for JJ, and I just kind of went in and hit them with a sword, and they died. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Griffin just like was designed around like my play style, 
like I found like just shooting at him until my devil trigger was full and then doing the lightning move uh-huh. just shredded his health bar and he was <laughs> never like that hard and it just felt like a really satisfying back and forth between me and the boss. I so Griffin is the only boss in the game that in its three appearances never killed me once. Mm. Um I thought that Griffin is is much too easy. Mm. And but my problem is that the fight is supremely unengaging ah. because See, the I game is it... fun when you're in melee combat and he doesn't allow you to be in melee combat. I guess I like that it made me like I don't know. I think I felt like you had to like change your strategy for him in a way that like just worked for me. Okay. Like I did definitely hate the second fight where it's on the ship because it is supremely awkward uh with all the masks and stuff that you can get caught on yeah i mostly Uh, stood in like one place for that one but the first and the third version i don't know i just liked i don't know it just felt like a it felt not all it's very rare i think for a boss design to nail like a back and forth kind of feeling to the fight and mm-hmm. the Griffin fight, I think, really accomplished that for me. Okay. I can kind of see that because it does have the cool It design. was very easy, though. Yeah. But it was sad. It was like one of those things that just felt really satisfying to execute. The cool thing to me about Griffin's design is that he has more like of a bullet hell sort of element mm. to him where you're trying to dodge Lightning. these like wave attacks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real, and he puts like platforms up, which I love when a boss just like puts platforms in an arena because it's it's funny because it makes no sense, but I I like the idea that they're like changing the environment that you're fighting in. Um, I'm a plus fine with all of that. That's very cool. I just don't like that the primary method of damaging him is essentially just shooting at him mm-hmm. and occasionally being in devil trigger and probably still shooting at him but from yeah. a, from with more damage. Yeah, I just I liked it because like on like the, my first fight with him like that's so not how I fought anything else and I had to mm-hmm. like figure out that like that's what was good against him. <laughs> like I think that's what this game maybe doesn't fully follow through on. But I feel like it's getting at is this idea of, like, it gives you this arsenal, as we discussed earlier, isn't that big. So it tries to throw things at you to get you to use different strategies and different weapons on different enemies. Uh, And it's not always successful at that, but the bosses are one area where I feel like it it did get me to do that. Like, I usually, in other games, will really like fist weapons. Like, Mm -hmm. I like melee, like, up-close melee combat. But, like, when I got Ifrit in this... I just did not like them at all. And just <laughs> it's wouldn't, so slow. And just, like, refused to use them. But then I ended up using them on, like, Nero Angelo, and mm-hmm. then it, that made that fight way easier. Um, so I, I like that it kind of, like, especially with the bosses, like, pushes you to, like, actually look at what you have. Yeah. Like, make an informed decision. Yeah, and, like, Griffin is the boss that makes me think about that. Right. Yeah, I... <sighs> I mean, obviously, I don't like disagree with your opinion there. That's that's valid and fine. Um, but I, I hated Griffin. I hated Nightmare. Uh, I I also thought Nightmare was cool because he actually felt like kind of a puzzle. Like it took me a while to realize that like keeping the things on the walls charged up mm-hmm. were like what made him attackable. Like I thought that you like w- like would use those and it would like damage him or something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Like it took me a while to work that out. I don't know. Now, I just thought that was cool. And then, like, w- once again, once you figure it out on the first time, 
it's fun, I think, to fight him the other two times, and it's just like an execution thing. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare gets better. I think he's the only boss that gets better in subsequent like replays. Yeah, he definitely has some frustrating elements to his design, though. Yeah. Um, I want to I wanna drop a note here before I go on and mention, at least, that I do think that my, uh, my experience with this game was, at least to some extent poisoned by the fact that I've played this game multiple times through when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have like the natural learning curve that the game is sort of designed for you to have. There were things that I just knew and would do based on a long forgotten memory uh-huh. and would bring into this. So when I came up against certain things, they ended up being really hard for me because I didn't have the natural, like, mm. reflex that I did for other stuff in the game. So yeah. I wouldn't try, like, it took me a while before I started using Ifrit more frequently, and Nero Angelo's second fight is the one where I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. this is good here. Yeah, um, that's a very real thing, and I feel like it probably has a term, or at least it should. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I remember when we talked about Earthbound, so reaching way back... Um, I had played it like three fourths of it before a couple years earlier, mm-hmm. um, and I kept remembering stuff prematurely, and then like trying to go do that thing, and I couldn't do it yet, and like beating my head against a wall. Yep. So yeah, like you can definitely have too much knowledge of a thing going in, like fuzzy knowledge that will totally fuck with you. Yeah, it's that middle point between knowing nothing where you were hoping that the game will guide you. You knowing, try to skip steps. Yeah, like knowing the whole game, which is obviously fine, you're going to get through it faster, but then that middle ground is just a bitch, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's that's where I fell. So I am gonna, I'm going to drop that note, and then I'm going to say that I do still like the Nero Angelo fights. I think that that boss is really well done. Yeah. And we're probably going to have a bit of a talk about it, but I still <laughs> like the, uh, the Mundus fight. I think Mundus is hysterical in like, it, this is essentially Devil May Cry's version of Kirby's air ride. <laughs> and I find it hysterical. So that's like a whole separate thing. Yeah. And do we want to push Mundus to later? Or we want to talk about him now. Uh, we can talk about him now, but I didn't mention, and we've only sort of said, Phantom, what do we think about Phantom? Oh. Uh, Phantom, I don't think he's, like, bad or anything, but, like, that was probably the biggest difficulty spike for me in the game, Mm -hmm. was coming up against him and having, like, no fucking idea what to do. Like, it really felt like this insurmountable challenge when I first got to him. And I think, I meant to mention this on the first half, but completely forgot to... (laughs) I think, um, once again, we keep comparing it to Castlevania, or at least we did at the beginning. Yeah. But uh, I think part of what makes this game feel as hard as it is, or as hard as it does, is the continue system. The fact that you can only die twice, or I usually had about two orbs at any time. Um, You can buy more, but uh, they're pretty expensive to stock up on them or anything. But it makes it feel way harder, and especially on that mission, like the first uh, big boss fight you come up against, if you die to him twice, then you have to just replay the whole level if you want to do it again. And it just feels really oppressive and, like, insurmountable. Um, I, I ended up, like, looking up a YouTube video, because, like, it, it uh, early on I really felt like this game 
felt impenetrable. Like once I f- it first started getting hard. Yeah. So I looked up a video. I was like, uh, "Devil May Cry beginner tips. Mm-hmm. Devil May Cry uh, Phantom, Phantom Easy, Easy Kill, Kill. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing." And then I I watched a guy. He like did it, and then he was just like hitting him in the face with the sword. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, like <laughs> it sounds stupid now that I'm saying it, but like I'm trying to like." You get into that mode where you try to play super safe, and you're just, like, standing um, across the arena just shooting it with pistols and doing no damage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you just have to kind of, like, play it like any other fucking action game, and you have to, like, get up to him and hit him and then dodge his attacks. Like, you know, but it's like there's this whole thing where you can, like, jump up on his back, and he has a weak spot up there, but it's really hard to do. It sure is. So you can get focused on that. Like, I feel like the fact that you can only hit him in the face... And the cherry on top that is the the weak spot on his back really throw you off. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really... It, it feels like a very sloppy difficulty spike to me. I agree. Which makes me resent that boss. <laughs> In reality, he, turns, he returns basically as a normal enemy later. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a version of him, and they're, like, nothing. Yeah. Uh, granted, they don't have as much health, but... It, it feels like if I came back to it now and replayed it, I'd probably shred Phantom like tissue paper. But like it felt like this huge deal. Yeah, I I entirely agree. And there are so many little sub points there. I love the fact that you can jump on his back because I just love stuff like it, that. It just really throws you off, though. Yeah, it's like and it's it, it feels like that's what it's you not have. To, it feels like that's what you have to do once you figure it out because uh-huh. you've been dying to him and you're like, oh, that'll be the thing that makes it doable. <laughs> Right, but then it's not. It is high Turns risk, out high just, reward. Just like, fighting him regular is the, thing is the safest do. way to do it. Yeah, because especially because you can stagger him and you can like reflect his his fireball move. Yeah, which are all easier to do if you're standing directly in front of his face. Yeah, and the only thing that you really have to worry about getting hit by is his like little swipe like, attack. So shoot lava. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah, it's weird how just devastating that boss is if you haven't played the game. And it's just right there, and there's a whole thing. Like, a whole... It's not a, it's not, it's not a level that you load into fight the boss and the level. It's like you load into it, you have to go over to where the, the thing is. Go across that bridge. Fall into the ocean. Fight, fight the, the skulls. skulls jump back up then go back across there's also a red orb cache at yeah. the top of the statue that i jump up and get that, gotta yeah. get them because gotta, gotta get those red orbs early in the game mm-hmm. that pre-order bonus <laughs> five thousand free red orbs for two dollars not free oh yeah there uh, you go cough up cough it up um and that is irritating it's a really long run back and it doesn't feel earned in the way that it does in other i mean it's an old game is, yeah, is what yeah. it comes down to the game came out in 2001 yeah. you have to reload your save when you die is just a thing that was true <laughs> yeah and I know, once again like different strokes for different folks and everything um and i know it that sort of thing like frustrates you and makes you mad i don't but, like repeating content but like to me it just make if it's more like dread like I just kind of like get almost like anxiety or almost like upset like I'm a kid or something mm-hmm. where like I had to do it over and over again I'm like fuck like I'm, I'm like I'm doing this so badly 
and now I have to redo all of this, and, like, I just want to get back to the thing, and, like, you know, it just, like, makes you feel bad. I mean, is that not frustration? No, no, because I feel like the difference is it's not making me, like, mad, or, like, or like, fr- like frustrated, it's, like, get you riled up. Uh-huh. And, like, for me, it's more, like, despair. Like, it's making me just, like, oh. You know, and more, and less, uh. <laughs> You're not mad. You're yeah. just disappointed. In myself, yeah. yes. Um, sure. So, at this point is when I will say that I became so frustrated with the game that I stopped <laughs> playing it before uh, talking about this on the podcast. Now, uh-huh. I did play this game many times it was a kid game it was a game that i played through hashtag kid game yeah and i don't i doubt that i ever got to dante must die difficulty i can't imagine yeah it it just doesn't seem like a thing that i would have wanted to do but i know i played it all the way through on easy and on normal uh and got you know competent at the game Mm -hmm. as a as a as a young teen and so I have knowledge of the end of this game, and this could be why I am more of a Mundus fan, but uh, I, I gave up on, on Nero Angelo 3, yeah. uh, where you have to hit the fireballs back at the T-Rex skeleton, right? because I was sick of doing it over and over again, and like you mentioned, did not want to go stock up on yellow orbs right? to potentially fuck me over later in the game when I needed more, like, Devil Trigger or health or something. Yeah. Uh, so I just said, fuck it, I'm done. Uh, this game was was immensely frustrating for me, and I think the bosses are kind of what did it. But even then, I still like the design of Nero Angelo's fights. Yeah, yeah, I haven't said anything about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also like Nero Angelo. It was one of those things, like, after doing Phantom, as I said, a huge difficulty spike and whatever, uh, the next boss you fight is Nero Angelo, like, his first version, and I beat him first try. Yeah. And it felt like, I was like, oh, man, like, uh, <laughs> I'm getting good at this game, yeah. <laughs> now, um, but, yeah, the second time, uh, that's when I started recording footage, so you get to watch it if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and also... I, I, if you're any good at this game, I'm sorry. Cause you're just gonna, you're gonna, cause I'm. It's a first time playthrough, and you'll get to see me struggle against stuff and not realize that you can buy Devil Trigger upgrades mm-hmm. uh, until Chad tells me to uh, later after I stopped recording. So mm-hmm. have fun with that. He was doing a challenge run. Yeah, I was doing a challenge run. <laughs> but uh, when I got to the third, and it's one of those classic, um, JJ's not here, but JJ, it's, it's a JJ-style boss fight. It's putting you up against a character that has, like, similar skills as you. It's like a one-on-one, like, you know, fight against something that's on the same footing as you. Um, and it's very well done. And, like, the first version, as I said, is, is I think, just right. And then the second version is an appropriate step up and challenge. But with the third one... I had never even considered this before. I, I, I died to him, like, twice, and then I was, like, in the fight, and I was, like, had to heal or whatever. I used my vital star or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that I had three flasks of holy water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, did these work on bosses? And then just proceeded to throw all three of them in succession and then just, like, fucking killed him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> So, Nero Angelo 3 ended up being, like, the easiest fight in the game for me. Right. Because I just blasted his health bar <laughs> with holy water. Uh, and I regretted doing it afterwards. 
Uh, but you know, if you're stuck on that, that was always an option. Yeah, just fucking. Nail <laughs> it was him like with one combo water. with Ifrit, and then three holy water flasks just kills him. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny because like holy water has that problem of being like the too good to use thing because yeah. it just like it's the BFG where you just nuke a whole screen with yeah, it. Yeah, well, it, it the text description implies you're just supposed to use it on like a room of enemies, mm-hmm. but it feels too good for that. Yeah, as you're saying, too good to use syndrome. So yeah, it's like bosses would be the only time you'd ever want to use it, and then that completely undermines the boss design. Right. It's like if there was luckily a use... you can't use it on Mundus. That's true. Yeah, if he's not he, he he's not true evil. Mm-hmm. Or he is. He's, <laughs> he's too pure. Evil. He's so unholy. <laughs> It that, that it shoots around. the moon and he becomes he's unholy unholy mm-hmm. with a di- there's a w in there at least once maybe multiple times mm-hmm. uh anyway but yeah it's it's uh it's interesting because like it, it is just kind of like an, a reset button a lot of the time where you're just like i'll just whatever fucking drop this and you just do a huge chunk of damage um, and it's really amusing. Like I only ever ended, ended up using it once uh, in this playthrough, right? Uh, and it was also by accident. It was not a thing I remembered doing, mm. uh, or remembered that it did. Uh, and I used it on the last Griffin fight when mm. he had like one eighth of his health bar left. I was like, it. I was like, what is this even? And he just died. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I, I, I only, like, I would have bet money it wouldn't work on bosses. But yeah. then it did. I was like, oh, fuck. Especially not at Griffin, because he's, like, like, 100 I, miles away. I have away. to do it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also used to, I bought, like, another flask of it and then used it on the last Phantom fight, too, which is useful. Because mm-hmm. he has, like, an extra phase after you kill him. And you just go, blam. And then he's gone forever. <laughs> uh, I banish you, foul demon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's bosses. Um. Yeah. Well, one other thing about it, um, if we want to spin off, um, mm-hmm. to tie it back into the reuse of the castle area, you had to refight all the bosses three times, which we've kind of, or all the major ones. Um, and that I feel like that's an interesting choice, and it almost like makes the fact that they reuse a lot of areas. Like it almost makes it feel a little bit more cohesive because you refight the bosses too, and I think it's one of the reasons I ended up liking Griffin. Um, it almost felt like it had this little implied like narrative to it, like mm. immersion to gameplay thing where he was like my rival. Like their their uh, back and forth really did kind. Of, as I said, it felt kind of like a back and forth, and it almost kind of feels like there is a rivalry relationship between them. Um, even more so than Nero Angelo, who's your brother. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They're just they're, if, maybe it was just me. Maybe other people will latch on to different bosses in the same way. But like, I really felt like he was like my, uh, my my the blue to my red to use Pokemon terminology. Uh huh. No, I agree with that, and uh, it works well with all of the repeated bosses as well. Like, yeah, it's like the game wants you to like. Um, as we've been talking, it's about, like, it's mission-structured, there's multiple difficulties, and it feels like it's balanced around the most difficult. So there's this theme of, like, it wants you to replay, or maybe not theme, but, like, this design intent. that it, And the bosses feel like they reinforce that. It's like, 
you fight the boss three times so you can learn it and mm-hmm. it amps up a little each time and you get a little bit more proficient. So it, like you could it, like, say you fight uh, like Nier Angela one, two and three, and then you fight near near Angela one on hard, which is like near Angelo four. Sure. Essentially. Yeah. Like it's yeah. a step up from there. It, it, it just, yeah, it, let, it helps you. I think it clues you into that kind of concept of like learning the game. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I I agree, and I think it works both. I'm going to say that it works narratively. We haven't talked about the narrative at all because there is very little one. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think that works for the game. We were kind of hinting at it earlier, but 100. Continue your your statement. Yeah, I, I think it works narratively in the Ludo narrative sense of you becoming stronger and the bosses becoming stronger to match. And because it is not just a progression of more difficult bosses, it is the same thing getting more difficult each time. Solves the problem that a lot of games have where they're like, the first boss that you fight is like, I'm going to take over the whole fucking world. And then you just beat the shit out of them with like a rusty sword. And then level, you know, 15 has another boss that's like a rabbit. It just kicks your ass or something. This is like, you can see the, the progression character by character in the same way that you can see it in yourself uh, so I, I do not have any complaints about them uh, rehashing bosses and it's also because the game's like real short yeah it, it also <laughs> it, it has this organic feel where it it makes you develop that rivalry like I was just saying like it, you fight like uh, you might fight Nero Angelo second time and he kicks your ass mm-hmm. right and you die to him like eight times or whatever uh and you have to redo the the state his that level like you know a bunch of times and you're like fuck you nero angelo like you want to beat him mm-hmm. and so like the third time you go in and you're like this time like i'm gonna even the odds baby <laughs> like it, it it makes you care and like you want to beat them and like you develop your own relationship with them yeah in a, yeah, in a way that like more narrative-heavy games don't really have room for. Sometimes, right. not all the time. But. Yeah, I, I don't. I get, and so I guess to end it, I will say, while I did like the way that the boss, I think that the boss repeating is fine and something that I am okay with them doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the bosses enough that sure, I wanted yeah. to fight them multiple times. And the biggest problem that I had as the game went on is that, like, the last eight chapters just all have a boss fight, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it focuses more in on that. Mm-hmm. And it's my least favorite part of the game, and so it just ended up really, like, putting a big sour yeah. dump on the game. And some sour grapes. Some very sour grapes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't disagree that the pacing's better earlier on, where it's just, like... You can go a couple levels with no boss mm-hmm. uh, before you get to one, but I, and I want to also shout out how fucking cute and clever a lot of the enemies are. Mm, yeah, uh, the marionettes are great. Yeah, they've stayed with me as like an, a standout cool boss. Or boss, uh, cool, they were they're the boss of the first room. Uh, they're like a standout cool enemy of game design that I've just recognized as being rad for my entire life, essentially. Puppets are just, like, creepy and cool. Yeah. I I like them being used in fiction. Um, And as we've um, mentioned on the Castlevania episode, we here at the Noclip Podcast (laughs) are embarrassed when we like anime. But... um, (laughs) 
in in Naruto there are uh ninjas who fight using puppets and mm. it's like it's super cool and awesome and i i just it's one of those things that maybe has more of a presence in japanese fiction but yeah like enemies just being like creepy horror movie marionettes are like very cool mm-hmm. yeah it's fun to do i like the sin scissors as well like yeah the... those are also very cool just like basically the elk head on the wall that comes out and just has a big giant pair of scissors. Yeah. Oh God, what game was it? We oh. talked because I usually I I, cause I said this exact same thing I'm about to say, but uh-huh. I can't think of what the game was. Um, but I usually am quick to complain about a lack of uh, enemy variety, mm-hmm. but I feel like it works in this game. Oh, it was Silent Hill. Oh yeah, which makes a lot of sense because I feel like they're kind of similar in scope. Where they're not super long, but they're dense, and they don't have that many enemies, but they make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think this game does it. And not only that, but it's not even that it has necessarily a lack of enemy variety. It's just, like, there's there are, like, eight kinds of enemy, and there are, like, eight areas. And they just have the same enemies in those areas. And then sometimes you get a super version of the enemy. Uh and I just, I don't know, most of them are fun to fight. I said I like the Sin Scissors. I like their design. I mm-hmm. don't like the fight necessarily because it you, usually you just shoot them. Yeah, or you jump up and drop down on them. Either yeah. way. Sure. Yeah, the, you have two options and neither of them are very dynamic. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like how they're balanced for the most part. And once you kind of learn the enemies, you can start taking yeah. on bigger and bigger groups. It's yeah. more fun Emphasis- that way again on the learning aspect i i felt it does feel like each enemy more so than other games at least for me anyway um make you use your brain a little bit uh because there's like those enemies that are like the lizard men with the shield thing Mm -hmm. um and it, it took me a little while to realize that you had to like break the shield with like a certain kind of move before you could properly damage them and like you know you can't just hack and slash right um, so I, I like that about it. it. It makes all enemy encounters for the most part, feel like you actually have to like, think about them a bit and not all games accomplish that. Do we want to talk about the story? Yeah, we should touch on it. Okay. Um, I, I feel like the beginning of this game feels like the most PS2 thing ever. It sure is. Um, where Dante's in the bar, it, it has like the Devil May Cry sign, and I don't. There's something about it just feels like the quintessential PS2 cutscene. Um, but yeah, I I like all of that's very corny and sets the tone very well, mm-hmm. or campy maybe is the better word. Um, it's definitely both. Sure, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it, I think it sets the stage well, but then it, it has a nice contrast when you get, like, dropped off at the castle, and it's, like, mysterious and all that, and you run into the creepy marionettes, and it's, like, the initial, like, uh... And Trish just fucking ghosts yeah, you she immediately. Yeah, disappears, yeah. And, like, the initial, like, foyer or foyer or whatever you say it, uh, it's, like, dark and kind of spooky, you know? It, it It's a nice tonal contrast, and, um... The narrative itself, though, I think is it's very simple, but it it, it hits that sweet spot. Like I think, because as somebody who who really values narrative in games, different types of games I think benefit from different types of narratives. 
And I think this game has just the right amount of narrative and just the right kind of narrative for the kind of game it is. Yeah. This is a game that is so dedicated to its, like, campy aesthetic that it's... The game, basically, time stops for Dante to make a quip. Like, whenever they're doing narrative... It's like the taunt mechanic. Exactly. Well, except in the taunt mechanic, people can still hit you. There's danger there. Sure, but that's the whole thing about it, though, is that you save it until the point where you have the time to do it. But then somebody throws a motorcycle at him, and he's like, (laughs) I remember when my mom threw a motorcycle at me, or whatever he says. And then he shoots it. And then he shoots it with the guns, (laughs) and it pushes it back onto her, and it explodes. And it's funny, and... It's funny in an, I think, intentionally yeah, cheesy def- way. It definitely wants to be like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's that is like the tone that it sets. And yeah. uh, yes, the top mechanic does play into it. It's just not exactly yeah, the same. No, thing I'm no. About. I'm just saying, yeah. it's, like, it's like a reflection of it, though. Mm-hmm. It, like, it wants you to do the same as Dante does in the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not played any of the other Devil May Cry games. But. Um, I, I listen to video game music at work all the time, and this random, like, uh, video came up on, like, a music playlist of a guy who did a bunch of, like, guitar covers of, like, video game songs, as people do, and the very last song on it is a song from Devil May Cry 5, and I think it's called, like, Pull My Devil Trigger or something. Of course. And it's the best fucking song (laughs) like it's it nails that tone so perfectly where it's like it sounds like if you read the lyrics on paper like the corniest thing but then in practice like the kind of song it is it it just encapsulates that tone Mm -hmm. of devil may cry where it's like it's campy almost kind of b-movie type like schlocky like too cool style action but just done in such a sincere, good way. Yeah. Execution is everything. And that song, I think, really embodies it. So you look that up if, you, if you're if you interested. Um, but yeah. Um, I, I, I actually do think, to get back to the narrative uh-huh. uh, more generally, uh, that uh, um, Nero Angelo, which I think means, like, false angel in, like, Italian or something. Or There's also, like, a... Uh translation discrepancy between his name being Nero oh, and, and Nello, Nello Angelo where I believe it is supposed to be Nero and then it got mistranslated yeah, that's as why yeah that is true and that's why I said it that way because I learned that yeah and then just started saying it that way but anyway uh is actually his brother Virgil correct Dante and Virgil Dante's Inferno classic etc Italian uh, so if you know that then you'll probably see this coming a little bit but mm-hmm. um Either way, I think it's effective. Um, it's very simple, sim- uh, symbolic, and, uh, you know, thematic stuff. But I think it's effective. Like, um, fighting him the last time, and he takes the helmet off, and he's like a he's got a regular dude man's face. face. He's got a regular <laughs> dude face. Um, yeah, it, it's just like, as I was kind of getting at, it's not like, as we know now, like emergent gameplay or anything like that. But you do form these little organic like narratives or like observations you make and like you get you you draw your own kind of uh satisfaction out of what's there mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it's one of those ways that like games i think particularly from this era kind of benefit like a lot of games like i think later in the ps2 era early ps3 era kind of try to lean into their narrative a little too hard 
and forget to kind of just let the game happen and let you stew in it and let you play for longer. And this game, I think, just it nails that ratio. Yeah. It, it nails the ratio because it is so obvious that the game is a mechanical experience first and foremost. Yeah. But then it ends up benefiting the narrative, too. Like, it's just like... Once again, Star Wars comparisons, lightsabers, blah, 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 from the first half. But Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where I don't even necessarily know if they were genius and they were going for this. But it just ended up kind of working that way, where it it benefits both halves. Well, yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm I'm talking about. Like, the idea that the mechanics lend themselves to creating a sort of player-centric narrative... Uh, of of the other characters who are all antagonistic to you um, supplements the fact that the game introduces a story and then picks it back up in the last hour and then runs with it till the end. Like, the overall narrative of you actually finding and killing Mundus is such a small part of t- of the time that the game actually spends on it on its story and it is uh, like i guess lacking in text but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's incorrect the way that they've done it it seems like everything is sort of meted out they were like this is as much as we need we need to focus more on these things that are going to be more important to the player and that's how we ended up with what we have um I just, it's funny to me that they spend their cutscene budget very often on making one bad joke mm. and then doing a, a lead into a boss fight. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Because Dante only goes between telling bad jokes and catastrophic melodrama. <laughs> Those are his two yeah. modes. Yeah, 100%. He should have been the one to fill your dark soul. Light! I want to layer the audio yeah uh-huh uh so do we want to talk about mundus yeah let's because that's that is the culmination of the story yeah so i feel like mundus should have had a section or a phase of his fight that was more like a nero angelo fight mm-hmm. uh where you actually just kind of fight him with your weapons <laughs> uh but what is there I really kind of hate the fly around and shoot part, uh, mostly just because it uses inverted camera controls, which I hate, and you can't change them. But apparently you can control it with the D-pad instead of the analog stick, uh, which I didn't know, mm-hmm. but apparently that controls like uh, regular camera controls. Like a normal, yeah. yeah. But that So that made that harder for me than it probably would have been otherwise. I also want to shout out, once again, the, whatever the opposite of a positive shout out is, the fact that there is a swimming mission in this game. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. And it is uh, bad. Uh, not. It's it's very brief, though, so you yeah. can't be too mad at it. But it is very weird. But it is your preview of the flight mechanics sure, yeah, and the way that that functions. It's another instance, I think... It's almost two weeks in a row, but that early 2000s Force Variety, ding, yes. ding, 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 play the sound effects. Uh, yeah, I think there's no reason. It's so, it's, once again, I just said uh, it's so brief that you can't really get too mad at it, but 
it is so brief that like why is it even still in the game yeah did you do any of the secret missions i stumbled across one or two and then was like oh i don't want to do this <laughs> uh they very like to me I think I found them both earlier on, like, first half of the game. Like, I went back through a door, and it was like, oh, there's a thing. Right. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, like, I suck at this game. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to, like, fucking go in here and just get killed and have to do the whole thing again. So they felt like a second playthrough kind of affair for, to me. Yeah. They they mostly exist just to give you blue orbs, mostly. Like, mm. that's, that's their primary reward. But... The reason I bring it up, because it's not really important for the game, uh, it is there if you're a completionist kind of person. There's one that is that feels like the proof of concept for the swimming part. Mm. It just puts you in a big, empty spear arena and says, kill eight enemies and don't die while swimming. And it's so horrible. I have to imagine that somebody programmed it and they went, ooh, let's make all of the swimming stuff really short where did this work to put it in the game so let's make it not a thing and then they just kind of ported the controls over into the final boss fight yeah to control the plane which in you also predominantly move awkwardly using the d-pad or the control stick and shoot with a button yeah but at least with the plane part it's short and i think you'd have to hit literally everything to die <laughs> so you're probably right yes uh, so that's not really that big a deal. But after you do the sh fly around and shooty part, you have to then do a part where the boss is real big in the middle of an arena and you like kind of like shoot stuff at him, mm -hmm. uh, which was fine. Like yeah. if it had been like a regular like hit him with swords fight and then the part where he grows big, I think that would have been better rather than have the shooty part. Uh, yeah, it feels like it's one of those things that wants to be a spectacle and not a challenge. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. it was still hard, actually. The, <laughs> yeah, I that second anyway. part is. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, but it is not as hard as if they had just made... Like, imagine... Did you ever get hit by Nello Angelo in his third fight? Yeah. He does, like, a, a lot of damage. Just so much damage. The version of that that Mundus would be would just be stupid. Yeah. And punishing. Um, so while I agree, I think it would be more fun if there was a fight part to his yeah. fight. Like, it, the cathedral seems like a boss arena, too. It sure does. Uh, but, yeah. that's And I like it for that. I like having a bit of a difference in kind final boss sure in the way that this game does it because i felt like i had been tested already at that point yeah but i still feel like it's like a like a sin of boss design when it just throws random crap at you it's just like here's two segments that are like nothing like anything else you've done Good luck. Well, you're talking about Mundus, who is the ultimate evil. Sure. Sin is all he knows. Fair enough. But <laughs> it, I, it would have been stronger if there was a part that was like something you've done before. That's all I'm saying. I don't disagree. I'm playing very literal devil's advocate here. <laughs> Mundus advocate. Mundus advocate. Uh, do you have any, any notes that we haven't covered? Uh, the only thing 
I think that's lingering is if you had it, if you wanted to to meme on or lol about, I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light. Um, <laughs> I, I had this great idea that I'm sad will never come true, but um, at the time of this recording, they've not revealed the last Smash Brothers character, but they basically deem confirmed a lot of characters at the last one, and mm-hmm. Dante being one of them because they added him as a me costume. Um, but there, there's that final cutscene there, the, I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light, which is very funny, uh, line delivery out of, especially out of context. Oh um, yeah. And even in context, I found it to be way less funny to me. Maybe it's just cause I've heard it so many times at this point, but I found it to be way less funny in context, still funny, but mm. not as funny. But uh, I thought it would have been, like, the greatest Smash reveal trailer is if you recreate that cutscene, but have him holding, like, the dead Luigi from the Castlevania uh-huh. uh, thing. And he, he says, I should have been the one to reawaken the undying light, like the lyrics from the Smash Brothers theme song. Um, I just think that would have been the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. And it won't happen, but <laughs> pour one out for that. They could have even done it when they revealed the Mii costume. Yeah. That would have been a bit too much money to spend to recreate that cutscene, but probably true. Um, my my actual notes though uh, is uh, we kind of talked about the mission structure uh, earlier, but I was wondering if you have any thoughts on that whole like the idea that you're supposed to play the game multiple times and that your first time through you're just gonna get like C ranks. Uh, like I was wondering if you feel like that's like bad design or good actually or like if you think it sucks or you don't like it or you think it's great like because it seems like i don't know i just want it's one of those design features that i feel like everyone's gonna take differently yeah um so i'm just wondering if you had any thoughts on that uh i have always i i don't like this design i don't necessarily think it is like inherently bad um, because in my opinion, I don't think that really any game that's made by a AAA com- company, like game design house, is meant to be played more than once in the sense that like the game just isn't over until you've beaten it multiple times. Like maybe that's the intended experience, but it's never going to enforce that in any way. And I think most people won't. Most people won't play a game multiple times, uh, at least not anymore, especially. And the problem with the grading system, which is what I really take umbrage with, is just the fact that most people playing through, even if they're doing just fine by video game stand by any standard that a video game would normally hold you to, are just going to get straight like D through B with the occasional A rank in their playthrough of this game for the first time. And... Uh, it's just, it just feels like it's rubbing salt in the wound for people who think this game is, is difficult, which it is. Uh, I didn't feel like I felt worse about getting stone awards in Bayonetta than I did about getting C ranks in Devil May Cry, Mm -hmm. but it's still like, it's just like negative reinforcement. That's like, by the way, you're bad at this game that I don't think need to be there because like, if they really wanted you to feel bad at the game they should have made the individual levels like 
harder. You're still beating the levels. Why are you then telling me that I I didn't beat it as good as as I could have? Especially since time plays so much into the grading. Mm -hmm. It's like, of course, you're not going to finish the map in 30 seconds the first time that you play it. So, like, maybe just hold the grades off until subsequent playthroughs. Mm -hmm. That'd be my only real thought. Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings on it because I feel like initially I feel the same as you. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like the more I think about it, like, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not so sure. Um... Because it almost feels like certain missions are really short, especially in this. Bayonetta is a different story, mm -hmm. um, as far as I remember, anyway. But, like, there are missions where it's like, does it want me to just replay the same level right now? Until, <laughs> you know, like, because it's so short. It's like, maybe that is, like, supposed to be obvious, that that's what it wants. And then I replay it again and can do it faster and then get a substantially higher rate. It would only take, like, two minutes or something. Uh-huh. But I feel like it's just not at all clear. Like, it just, it feels like a decision made for, like, a very niche uh, audience or, like, a very specific type of person. And it's, yeah, like, I just think it's not, like, signaled at all. It's just weird. Because, um, I, mean, I don't know, I feel like there maybe is something to it, but I feel like there would be needs to be something in place to, like, make me engage with it that way or I'm just not going to. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't, like, the game itself, I feel like, maybe, yeah, the rating system can sort of point you in the direction of practice yeah. a level to get yeah. better I at think it. it's more there to encourage you to play better, more so than it is to make you feel bad about how you played, like you yeah. said. But it does come off that way sometimes. That is probably more in the line of, like, what the design was. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, here's, like, the hint that, like, you can do this better. Like, mm -hmm. if you think it's really hard... Maybe it isn't actually, and you need to do something different. Yeah. I think that's that's probably... That is at least for sure what they were thinking when yeah. they implemented it. So, um, And then if you want to look at the like sister design of, of Resident Evil 4 that sort of like splintered out from this, that game has like chapter endings in it in the middle of levels in weird places and gives you like number of times saved and enemies killed and like your accuracy percentage and what with weapons and stuff mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to include in a survival horror game yeah capcom has always skewed or not always but they used to skew arcadey like that yeah no because of their like history yeah yeah and yeah i always thought that was weird and and sort of like you know, this it, game gives a lot of context it feels to it. super weird in resident evil mm -hmm. even though four is more actiony yeah do we have infernal thoughts? <laughs> not gonna go with devil. <laughs> I'm not no. Okay. Uh, or triggered thoughts. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's that's what I was thinking. Uh, my infernal thoughts, though, which are different than my triggered thoughts. Yes. Uh, are uh, this game? I didn't know what to expect, really. Um, we played Bayonetta forever ago, as we mentioned, um, but I'd never played this and had, you know, obviously had heard about it and had wanted to for a long time. Uh, and I found that mechanically it held up way better than I expected it to. Um, it does have some rough spots, but like, as far as like older games we've come back to, I felt like this held up really well. Um, and yeah, as I said, I really didn't expect to like 3d action games are very complicated and people still struggle to make good ones now. 
um like we played what the new god of war and had all kinds of problems with it but um yeah for what this is i think it's it's fantastic um especially if you're viewing it from like the time it came out uh it's got a very tight controls i think just the right amount of like uh complexity to its systems like just the right amount of weapons and uh abilities you can use uh the story i think is just right for how long and what kind of game it is uh the castle setting is cool um it is cool is a very good word like i think more so than any other game we've probably ever done this game is cool mm-hmm. um and yeah i just it it did all the things that i expected devil may cry would do based <laughs> on its reputation uh and maybe even a little bit better i thought it probably would have aged more than it has uh, definitely still has its problems. It's not perfect. Uh, don't want to jerk it off too much, <laughs> but I I quite liked it. It like the early on. I think once again compared it a lot to Castlevania. Um, it had a similar thing. Uh, when I played Symphony of the Night early on, it felt discouraging. But then I hit like a point where I I cleared the wall, and it was way more enjoyable to play after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I was pleased with this, um, pleased with what I found. Uh, it's one of those classics I was worried might not hold up and I would be a crotchety asshole uh, for not liking it, but I didn't have to worry about that. So those are my infernal thoughts. Yeah, I think that is a really good frame for it. This is a game that like, I would not consider among like my favorite games or anything. But it definitely is like a seminal game. It's a game that I played when I was a kid that really got me into the idea of chasing the score and being like competent with systems, which is still something that I more so than most people focus on when I pick up a new game. Definitely more than me. Yeah. (laughs) I have a tendency to want to sort of like bring out whatever like draw out every ounce of of complexity that i can in a system which is why i complain more when a game systems are so complex that it's impossible to do it or not complex enough where i feel like i'm not playing like how i want to play and this game hits a really nice middle ground where it isn't so complex that it is frustrating to learn and once you learn it it's really fun to execute on um the most important thing to take away from this podcast, I think, uh, you have already said, and that is this game holds up unbelievably well for its time frame. Like, it, 2001 is 20 whole years ago. We have gone through a lot in terms of design and just basically every part of making a video game now is fundamentally different than it was that long ago. And it feels like a game that could have come out five years ago. It's, I mean, obviously visually it, it is not, it still looks good because they chose an art style and a setting that was cool and easy to visualize. And they have created HD upgrades to the game that are fun to look at still. But I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. And I like you saying that the game is cool because cool is this game's C. It's, it, 
And I yeah, agree. Absolute and stylish. Yeah. And this is absolutely a stylish game. Uh, but I wouldn't. Uh, it's very cool and absolutely stylish. <laughs> it is very cool and absolutely stylish. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I enjoyed coming back to it. I enjoyed playing it. I think that I still like this game better than Bayonetta. <laughs> mm. I, I don't remember it super well, but I think I liked Bayonetta more. But it's mm. close, which it's just, is a testament to this game. Yeah, especially with ten additional years on it. Um but yeah, it's it's interesting, and I, I do recommend checking it out if you are like a fan of the series that just hasn't dipped back to the first one. Mm-hmm. Still is pretty cool. Uh, and Dante for Smash, I guess. Maybe the next one. Maybe, the ne- <laughs> maybe he, next he, time. He should have been the one to reawaken the undying light, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Super Mario 3D World on the Nintendo Switch, because specifically, we're also going to be talking about Bowser's Fury. Uh, so it'll be sort of a two, a bit of a twofer, yeah. uh, you could say. Um, so join us for that. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find our email address, our Twitter account, a link to our Discord, where you can come check out us, have a conversation, talk about the games. Uh, You could go to our YouTube channel and watch our episode about uh, Castlevania, which we've mentioned multiple times. Bayonetta, I think, is another obvious uh, inclusion in that list. Um, and I have made some progress in creating play- genre playlists. I've, I'm up to four right now, I believe. Uh, but it is more time-consuming than I thought it would be, uh-huh. because I don't know what genre a lot of the shit that we uh. talk about falls into. I feel like that would be really easy to do. But maybe, you do? You think it is? Maybe I'm in my own head about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have more of them up there. We'll see. Uh, thanks. Fill the like that you should fill our Dark Souls with likes. I should have been the one to fill your dark souls with likes. Should all the acquaintance be forgot and mundus brought to mind? Should irony favor you this time? And uh, Trish is over there. Dante, oh Dante. Dante must die. die. <laughs> Should old acquaintance be forgot and Dante must die? <laughs>